You're listening to Henley Business Radio. Welcome to this Ask an Expert feature on Henley Business Radio. My name is Gareth Armstrong. Once again, it's a great pleasure to be with you. And once again, we're going to have a fascinating conversation, this time around storytelling and how important storytelling is. Tracy, you are here because you're actually an expert in storytelling. Um, I really like to listen and learn as I go along. Mm. And maybe I can share some observations. I've been working in the corporate world for quite a long time, 20 years or so. And I've seen leaders in action. I've seen the power of stories and storytelling, visual stories. And I've seen the need for leaders and leadership to be done quite differently in terms of doing what it needs to do. So we appreciate your humility, but we're going to take you as our expert, especially around this idea of storytelling and mm -hmm. how we can fold it into what we do as leaders, as mm -hmm. managers in our different organizations. Just very quickly, who are you? And give us a little bit of background. I've got some notes here, and if you don't brag, well, I'll have to probably brag for you, but we don't mind a little bit of bragging here. So just a little bit of background, please. Maybe I can just share with you very briefly kind of what got me to sit here doing what I do and passionate about what I do. When I was 10 years old, I dreamed of winning Wimbledon. Um, okay. And I didn't, otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> I'd be doing other stuff. Sure. But what that eventually led to was I got a tennis scholarship to a, a university in America. Things were going extremely well and I was sort of achieving all my goals. The only thing that was really a little bit of a, a niggle, I got a slight injury, mm. a sciatic injury down my back. And when you're in that situation, you just have to carry on. Mm. So I tried to ignore it away. It didn't work. Eventually, I was getting injections into my back for every match. And then, of course, the great day of the big match, the big conference final, which is the big league final, I had my normal injection, the pain went away, but I also couldn't feel anything in my leg, so oh, I wow. actually couldn't play. I called over my coach and I thought, oh, wow, now he'll know what to do, mm. you know, he'll be able to help me. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, pull yourself together if you want to keep your scholarship. And you know that that moment was a realization in my life of I'm just a resource to this guy. Mm. He doesn't really care about me. Wow. Many years later, I was actually busy doing my MBA and working. I did it part-time, and I was working in advertising. And the role that we played was we, we always used to say to clients, what makes you different? Like, mm. what do you want to focus on? We've got to put that in 30 seconds in an ad, and we've got to get people to jump off the couch and, and go and buy your product. This particular client was in the life insurance industry, and they, of course, said, it's our people. Our mm. people make us different. And I was curious, and I said, well, can I talk to some of those people? So I did. And it was such an echo of the feeling that I'd had many, many oh, years really? before okay. of that just a resource, because this is what the people said. I feel like used. I don't feel part of the organization. I can't wait to get out of here. This is like a prison sentence to mm. me. And I think in that moment, I realized that's the problem that I want to solve. So that's why I'm really passionate about helping leaders to actually lead people in a different way that releases people in the organization's potential, that unleashes their potential, and that brings that humanity back. And getting back to storytelling, visual stories, it's such a powerful way, it's the most powerful way I've ever seen of getting leaders to connect with their people. 
The last conversation that we had was with Paula Quincy, and she's a relationship expert. Mm. And one of the things that she spoke about, I asked the question, how do you, when you're in a room, speak to every individual but everyone at the same time? Mm. And it really is through storytelling or yeah. through painting a picture, some yeah. kind of vision. That came out quite strongly there. It's yeah. coming through quite strongly here. Let's pull back just for a moment. You then founded a business. Thinkspiration. Thinkspiration, that's okay. right. You are the only partner of an organization here in South Africa. Is Anecdotes, is that right? That's right. We're Anecdotes licensed partners. Anecdotes, the biggest business storytelling firm in the world. Mm. And we're their partners in actually in Africa. Okay, and obviously wow. South Africa. So. And then you're also an author. See, I'm doing a little bit of the oh, bragging for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. You know, Kat, do you mind if I take this and take it home afterwards and just, you know, you, when I'm feeling may. down and, and blue, you know, you I'll play it. And, and that then forms part of what you then share with leaders when you are in a boardroom environment? Absolutely. You know, I think one of the reasons why I was so passionate about writing the book is that there's this growing disillusionment mm. that I see everywhere with the world of work. We talk about work and people's faces drop. It's like a prison sentence. It's something to escape from. And it's not just anecdotal. You know, when you look at what Gallup measure globally in terms of engagement levels, they're just dropping. I think the latest stats are only 13% of the global workforce are engaged. That mm. means are excited, motivated, happy to go to work. That's a tragedy. That's true. Um, uh, that means billions of people. Billions of people. Are not engaged. Yeah. They're actually sitting there looking at their watches like, when can I get out of here? And I think that's a tragedy because I think work should be a place where we not only get our daily bread, but also our daily meaning. And I think that it's an outlet for our contribution to the world, what we need to achieve, our purpose. And I think also it's a leadership problem. Mm. Leaders... If we want different engagement levels, we have to change the way we lead. So in the book, basically, I'm a sort of begin with the end in mind kind of person. Sure. So, so what I wanted to put on the table was if we want different engagement, we need different leadership. We've had a paradigm of leadership that comes from the industrial age, yep. command, control, very much about management, about yeah, you know, you're, KPIs. You're a production line. Yeah, you're a unit of production. Mm. You're not a human being. It's very dehumanizing. And, of course, that just contributes to the lack of engagement. And, you know, we sit in boardrooms and you listen to the problems. Safety is a problem. Cost overruns are problems. You know, all the problems that we see, for me, they're symptoms okay. of this underlying problem of lack of engagement. And it's a leadership problem. So what I wanted to propose and put on the table is say, guys, we need to do this differently. And what gives me hope, and one of the, the things that I got really excited about, is if you look at neuroscience and behavioral science and the latest research that's coming out in terms of what motivates people, it's the absolute opposite to what you see in most organizations. Things like KPIs, the way we do performance management, they probably very likely are the culprits of or some of the culprits are the low engagement levels. It almost sounds like there is a bit of a mountain to climb because it's a behavioral thing that has really been entrenched over years, decades even. Yeah. This is an Ask an Expert feature here at, at Henning Business Radio. I want to start asking some questions. Okay. Let's go with a little bit of a, maybe not an easy one, but I'm sure one that you can field. And that is, I am now leading a team, not middle management, not senior management, where a lot of these conversations do happen on mm -hmm. an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. I'm lead leading a team of 20 at a lower level. Mm -hmm. That is probably the hardest place to inspire someone. Yes. And that's probably where these 
gaps in engagement really occur. Yeah. What, how do I speak to my people? What do I say to my people in that kind of environment, in that kind of context, probably feeling quite disillusioned perhaps or disengaged myself? Yes, the challenge of you as a leader feeling disengaged and disillusioned is the, the starting problem. Mm. I actually always emphasize, you know, when speaking to a room of people, I'll often say, who are the leaders here? And people usually that are in the leadership positions will put up their hands. Mm -hmm. But actually, we're all a leader. The starting point is leading yourself, knowing what you are trying to achieve with that group of people. If you aren't comfortable with yourself, you're not going to come across as confident, authentic, who you really are. So you've got to be comfortable with that because part of leading and connecting with your group of 20 people is sharing a little bit of that self, not just the good parts, but the parts where you feel a little bit vulnerable because connection happens when you actually share real stuff. And in terms of connecting with them is listening to them. And, and I always say the most revolutionary question that you can ever ask people is, what do you think? There are people that go to work every single day and would love to be asked that question and listened to when they have their ideas. Mm. When we embark on an intervention with a client, one of the first things we do is listening sessions. And I love them. It's a passion of mine because you talk to people at all levels of the organization and mostly it's the guys that are on the front line. It's the coal miner. It's the waiter that will have deep insight into the business. Sure. On Saturday, we were in a, a restaurant in Santon. You know, I struck up a conversation with the waiter, actually saying to him, you know, I forgot the name of your restaurant. I thought it was the competitor's name. You oh, know? Yeah. And he said, oh, those, those guys have actually closed down. So I said, really, why do you think that is? And he launched into a really clear analysis of what they had done wrong, what his the company he worked for should never do. That's where the wisdom is mm. a lot of times. The wisdom is right there, but those people never actually get asked. And because they don't get asked, they're not engaged. They're not motivated. They're not part of it. Okay, well, Tracy, then let me practice on you. Why do you think they never asked? Because you know what is a sad thing is as leaders get higher and higher and higher up in an organizational structure, they don't want to be seen to not know. That's one of the reasons. You know, and that goes back to this all-knowing, all-powerful leadership model that maybe worked fine in a factory sure. in the sort of industrial revolution. But leaders need to actually show their humanity. Say, you know what, guys? I might be great at this, but I'd really love your opinion in terms of this. So it's not something that I think is inculcated into leaders and trained into leaders to ask other people's opinions. And I'm not saying leadership decision-making is democratic. Yeah. It has to be a democracy like, what decision should I make? Not like that. But part of engaging people is asking them what they think. Well, I can't even imagine making a decision without asking everyone for their view because you can't make a decision without all of that information, especially if you have a finance person in the room and you have a, mm. a salesperson in the room and you've got an operations person in the room. Mm. How can you make decisions without their opinion? And I guess the irony as well is that most of the people in the room are going to be the senior leaders in the organization at some stage as well. You, exactly. You probably started somewhere feeling that way, but then you become the very thing that you don't want. Well, you've just put your finger on what I believe one of the biggest challenges is. And I'll share a little anecdote with you. A couple of years ago, actually more than a couple of years ago, I was sitting doing a listening session with a miner. 
So this is like very frontline person that's been doing the job for 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. He was quite uncomfortable to even talk to me because no one ever talks to him about these kinds of things. So got him comfortable and eventually got to the point of saying, you know, well, what are your worries? What keeps you awake at night? Usually the answers you get there at that level are, am I going to have a job? Why don't I earn more money? It's sort of those level of things. And he thought for a little bit and he said, well, it's actually how I get my people to do what I want them to do. Mm. That's leadership because he's talking about influence there. And I said to him, well, that's interesting. So how, how do you do that? So he says, oh, no, well, I don't want to tell you. Okay. So I said, no, like sheepish. Sure. So I said, no, you can tell me. He goes, well. I scream and I shout and, and sometimes I swear at them, you know, yeah. so I was like, okay, don't tell me exactly what you say. But I said to him, does it work? And he goes, no, it doesn't mm. work. So I said, why do you do that? And he says, because that's what my boss did. There's the problem. It's the role modeling of what I call the old way of leading. It's an entrenched thing. Role modeling is really powerful, especially in terms of leadership. Unless people are out there doing it differently asking, listening, being collaborative, it's really going to be modeled the old way. And I think that that is an important point, that stories are not always something that starts with once upon a time. Often stories are what you're describing now, this perpetuation of behavior. Exactly. And you're telling a story about your past through your behavior versus just this verbal story that is coming out of your mouth every now and then with once upon a time. Absolutely. You know, it's such a good point. When we talk about stories to clients in business, there's like a little bit of a wince. Stories, isn't that once upon a time? You yeah, know, Cinderella, soft, yeah, fluffy. you know, fluffy. This is not too mushy. It's not that at all. Business storytelling is such a powerful tool. And the way that we do it is it's about actually sharing examples. It's about anecdotes. In business, I think we fall into the trap of we speak abstractees is what I call it. Yeah. Competitive advantage, customer centricity, values, yeah. integrity. What on earth do all these things mean? There's no picture in people's heads. Whereas if you then say, actually, guys, yesterday when I arrived at the shaft, I dropped my wallet. The security guard, Jabalani, picked it up for me, found me, brought it to me. Everything was there. That's integrity. The ability and the skill to do that is very, very powerful. The shortest distance between two people is a story. Absolutely. It's such an amazing connection tool. It's such an amazing tool for leaders to share who they are. I feel like sometimes we walk into businesses and it's like you switch off that human button. I'm not going to share myself. Yeah. Mm. I don't want anyone to know anything about me. Heaven help me if they know any weaknesses, vulnerabilities. And unfortunately, what that also shuts off is the ability to connect with other people. My grandfather, to share a, a small little insight from him, and we must always take into account the wisdom of the older generations, he shared with me once, and he was quite a successful trainer for GM back in the day. He was seconded all over the country and um, internationally. And he said, I want to give you some advice, Gareth. Learn this now. Your experiences are not your own. Mm. And really what he was saying was stories win the day. Absolutely. I want us to talk about stories. Let's look at them quite critically then. Mm -hmm. So every story has a beginning, a middle and an end. Sure. That's yeah. as much as I know. Yeah. What goes into a really good story? 
Well, there's different levels of stories. Also, part of the off-putting part is we think of what we call the Hollywood story, Mm. the hero's journey, you know. Luke Skywalker, good and evil. And how could we not? Because we uh, oh, because grew how up could on we not? Stuff. No, exactly. Don't get me started on Star Wars. <laughs> and that's very intimidating because now we're in the business world. You've got a guy that's a brilliant engineer. You've got a guy that's a great miner, a really good accountant. It's not like he has the greatest affinity to tell stories. Yeah. So then you say to this guy, now you must tell stories. It's extremely foreign mm. and and it's not necessary to do the big sweeping hollywood epic type story it's actually very simple it's short but a moment in time where something happened where there was dialogue where you had a realization and sometimes there's something unexpected a bit of humor a bit of this a bit of that always how i evaluate a good story is it's a little picture in my head so When I was talking about Jabalani, the security guard that picked up the wallet, it actually happened. It was practical. He saw the wallet. He picked up. We can. It's like a little movie. We'll all see. And I must tell you, I've worked on some of the operations at Harmony. So Masimong Mine came to my mind. Oh wow! I was seeing the the gate. I was seeing the security guard. Yes, you you know how it works. Yeah, exactly. So you created a movie in my head. Right. So. We are there to elicit or create some kind of moving picture, a moving moment, probably yeah. is a better way to describe yes. it, in another person. Yeah. Are there components to a story, something that we can take away from this conversation and say, okay, I'm missing this and I'm missing yeah. that, but I do have a really good light bulb moment or penny drop moment, but I'm not connecting it with perhaps some dialogue, as you yeah. mentioned. What, what, are the, what are some of you those know, components? Actually, we teach storytelling for leaders. It's a course that we do. And what I love about it is it breaks something that's quite mysterious, like stories, mm. into a pattern, a formula. It's very, very simple. And anybody can learn that pattern and that formula. So very briefly, I mean, without getting into the, the detail, yeah. if someone says last Saturday or yesterday or in Carltonville, a time, a place, a date is always a marker because suddenly those words take you there. As you said, at the security, the mine, you can start picturing a context. Mm. And then it's really about dialogue, a moment. Very important for me in a story, and I think what, what always makes a good story, is there's an emotion. Yep. There's an emotional component to it. It's not an abstract thing. It's an actual moment. I felt I was so inspired you know, I felt something. Or, or something like, imagine how I felt when my manager was screaming at me. And well, everyone, exactly. And everyone in the exactly. room can say, yeah, I know that. You because know. you see, stories bring out our humanity. Mm. So there's got to be some kind of moment that is into your gut yeah. that brings out that emotion. And then it's the sort of resolution. You know, what happened? What did I think? But a story doesn't have to be a long thing. It can be, you know, 30 seconds. Mm. It doesn't have to be a long winded kind of thing and it really is just making abstract things concrete yeah giving it giving it some kind of life some kind of substance that's it so what are practical applications to storytelling let's go back to this idea that i'm a young manager Mm. who has 20 people in the room i feel disengaged myself i'm listening to this how can i practically implement storytelling in my leadership or leadership style i think storytelling is part of being authentic so feeling disengaged yourself, you would need to investigate that. I think there's a, an obligation of leaders to give people hope. I once read this definition of strategy, and it's always stuck with me, and I love it, mm. to tell a happy story of our future. 
Very nice. As a leader, it is your obligation to give hope and do it in an authentic way. And that's where a story is really, really a great tool to use because it enables you to, sh- to be honest, to be authentic, to share a little bit of yourself and to connect with other people. And also it, once you start telling your story, will automatically elicit other people's stories. I think maybe if I'm thinking of a practical thing that I could do if I was not a very good storyteller myself, I could probably just ask people around the room to tell their stories. Absolutely. Elicit stories versus having to always tell a story. And and exactly. It's almost like you need to tell your own story or a story about something once, and you'll see that it's, it's sort of contagious. If you think about the last bri you went to or the last dinner party you went to, I hope nobody hauled out a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Please tell me no. <laughs> because no. <laughs> we, are, we are storytelling creatures. Mm. It's part of who we are as humans. But somehow we've got this message, don't do that in the workplace. Yeah. So once you give the signal that this, like, like as if you were at a bra. I mean, we, we all naturally do it. Yeah. With some clients, I've sort of, to get them going, we've had sort of five o'clock drinks and tiny little glass of wine just to get people to relax and say, yeah, it's okay. You can do that. Are there, are there other questions that you can ask to elicit stories? So you said, what do you think? That's a, that's a powerful way to get someone engaged yes. and talking. What yes. are other questions that you can ask? What's been your best moment at work? What's been your best experience? What do you tell your family about the company when you go home? If your five-year-old had to ask you what you do, what do you say? Mm. So for me, it's always about the moment. But also, another thing I would advise you to do, I'm quite advising here. Stop no, no, me. It's okay. very good. No, it's very good. <laughs> Is when you start a meeting, one of the things that I always do, it's an absolute golden rule, is we always start with a positively framed question. Okay. Like, what was your best moment at work? What was the best thing that happened to you last week? When was the last time you laughed out loud? What do you do for the sheer joy of doing it? Whatever, a positively framed question. It's like a mental palate cleanser. Mm. You know when you go out for a fancy dinner and you have that sorbet in between yep. the – that's what it does because people come into the room with a whole lot of stuff going on. I've got to get that email out. What's my boss going to think? I have to do this plan. They're not with you. But it's amazing what happens when you do that. Your conversation goes into a different direction. The thinking is better. It's more positive. It's more optimistic. Because you know when you get together with a group and somebody starts moaning, goodness, that's very contagious. So you don't want to do that. You want to do the opposite with that. This has been a fascinating conversation. I can see so many parallels with some of the conversations that we've had with some of our other experts and certainly conversations that I've had, not in this environment, but other environments. Maybe to begin winding down the conversation, Mm -hmm. could you share an anecdote, a story? And I'm going to go not so positive, perhaps. What's the worst environment that you have seen as far as storytelling is concerned and and then the positive spin is what difference did storytelling make but give us a story about that please oh you don't ask for much do you (laughs) (laughs) it's difficult to give the worst environment we don't name names no no but i mean let me just say that we work a lot with with big corporates and they are mainly extremely storytelling deficient Mm. Internally, you'll sit in a meeting or you'll say to them, what's your strategy? And you get that big, thick dossier of diagrams. And I hate to say it at a business school, those MBA 
four by fours and all the lingo. Well, you have an MBA, so yeah. you're allowed to so say. So I can, I'm allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what happens is you've got this huge amount of effort that's been put into formulating a strategy in very abstract language. And the, the tragedy of that is nobody gets it. So it's sitting there, it's in someone's office, it's a big, thick, nice dossier, but nobody's actually connected to it. Mm. Mostly, that is what happens. You want me to share a story where I've seen it make a difference? Well, I think that anyone that has ever done any kind of consulting, which, which I certainly have, will understand that what you've just shared is a story that is told over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Do you have an example that you can share? Well, I can share with you a case example, no names, a client that was in this exact situation. They had all the best will in the world, all the best intention, great resources in terms of rolling stuff out, but nobody was connecting to what they wanted to connect it to. So we went in and we did our intervention. It rolls out. It's a leader-led process. So we create a visual story. We do connect with the employees to get their perspective into it. So it's not just coming from, yep. from the top. Yep. It's a collaborative process. And then it's very, very important that it's leader-led to roll out. So what I mean by leader-led is through the line. The mm -hmm. CEO does it with his team, and then they do it with their teams and so on and so on. So it's really a tool for the leaders to engage with their people differently. And we observed the first, a couple of the first sessions and at the end of that session, this particular CEO did it extremely well. Firstly, the, the interaction amongst the team was completely different. Mm. So previously, you had them sitting formally around a very formal boardroom table kind of structure, their agendas written down, yeah, you know, only, staid, only kind of speak when you've spoken to, mm. very formal. And this process, because it's a picture and it's done a little bit differently, it's not around a table, it's, you stand around a wall and look at it, the leader needs to engage people, ask questions, get a lot of participation. These people were, they looked different. I mean, I, I actually took pictures. They were laughing. They were smiling. They were coming up with ideas. And they were just, they were having fun. Mm. I mean, how? Having fun at work, you know. But at the end of it, one of the brightest people in that team said something that I will never forget. She said, finally, I actually understand the operating model. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, at the executive oh, wow. level. So often we think, you. oh, my gosh, you know, the poor illiterate people that are maybe aren't so educated, the picture and the story mm. works so great for mm. them. It works for all of us. We're all humans. Mm. Very nice. Tracy, I think that that really rounds up the conversation. I know that you're going to be here on the 31st yes. doing an event here at Henley. Yes. Maybe just a quick word on what that entails. Yes, that is a breakfast. It's called Put Yourself in the Picture. Mm. And really what I'm so looking forward to is talking about how we can actually change things, that we need new tools for a new world. Mm. We cannot continue to what I call SOS, send out stuff. Okay. The email like isn't going to do it. The PowerPoint roadshow isn't <laughs> going to do it. That this is a tool that actually works. That's why I love doing it. Well, Tracy Swanapool, business strategist, creative consultant, author, founder of Thinkspiration. That's correct. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you for answering some of our questions, and we look forward to that event. Thank you so much, Gareth. It's been a pleasure. Do you have a question for our Henley Business Radio Ask an Expert feature? Submit it via our website in the comments boxes on campus or use the hashtag AskAnExpert on your favorite social media platform.